You are listening to 20 Sides to Every Story. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us here bright and early on a Saturday morning as we are going to continue the Dolman Wood campaign that we uh, started using the old school essentials rulebook. This is officially session two, although... I don't know, it's kind of like 2.5 because our session zero did include a bit of gameplay. So uh, we've, we've, got, we've got a couple of sessions under our belt and we've got a story that we are weaving through here. So I am joined here by Winston, Isaac, Maureen, Ryan, and Chris. We've got the full crew here. Where we are picking up is uh, we're continuing the thread of trying to find the thief that stole their money um, just as they are arriving uh, into the Dolman Wood. But before we begin, uh, just a few acknowledgments uh, at the top here. Uh, we are 20 Sides to Every Story. We're a gaming group that we play a lot of our games uh, online together, stream them on Twitch, upload them later to our YouTube channel. And uh, in the case of this Dolman Wood, we're kind of playing around or I'm just having some fun <laughs> editing the audio of our games and turning it into a podcast format. So a couple of different ways you can engage with us. But the number one thing we always like to introduce everyone to is that we have a Discord server, and we encourage you to join that here in our Twitch chat. So you can join us there. You can find it in the description of the video. But we'd encourage you to join that so that you can come and hang out with us in between our games or our streams, get to know us, and potentially even play in a game with us. We do run a community campaign where we invite uh, people that enjoy our content to come have a game with us. So check that out. Join and let us know how you found us, and I think that's just about everything I have. All right, so uh, where we are beginning here today, this is really the second day of our adventuring, so it is the 24th of Igwild, late spring, and I believe I believe we ended the session around maybe that like 5 p.m., maybe 5.30 p.m. mark. You had had a long journey to arrive at the marble this white stone tower you believe maybe is the layer of some kind of wizard or at least a a relic of one in the past and this is where you had traced jaspy poppletail the grimalkin that stole your money to this place you found some evidence of them along the way and have climbed its staircase to arrive at the second floor of the tower among very comfortable amenities very plush furniture roaring fireplace that is active in a hearth and plenty of wine and a little table that has a more than an individual's worth of tobacco and pipes to go along with that. It, it feels right at home. You'd even thought about maybe taking a, a rest or a, a sleep here, but have decided against it because you're going to try to keep your eye on the prize and see if you might still be able to find Jaspi Poppletail. I believe uh, Thomas uh, had kind of looked about the room looking for some evidence of this cat-like creature and did find traces of some some fur or hair that was lingering on some of the couches and very very well could be uh that belonging to the that orange tabby fur of jaspy i think maybe we will get started here with just some character introductions and maybe ask the players introduce who they're bringing to the table yeah so i am playing waymond green he is an illusionist so I guess that you know the thing to understand for him is that he's very interested in learning about magic. He doesn't believe in the authority of the church. A little bit skeptical that he thinks religion is maybe used as a tool to oppress people and kind of like manage political power. 
not like necessarily a very political guy, just sort of intrinsically skeptical. But at the same time, he is very interested in mastering spell, a specific spell, chromatic orb. And so for him, chromatic orb, it's a spell. Um, he has a gem, has a quartz that he kind of plays with. He's trying to like improve the potency of the spell. Right now, he doesn't feel like it's strong enough to make a big difference. And he even has a little trouble kind of getting it out and like making it function. But that's uh, his main motivation. He's very interested in, first of all, not being in jail anymore, but also the fact that part of getting out of jail involves tracking down a prisonist, which is obviously somewhat tangentially connected to some of the things he's into, interested in. And so he's hoping he'll get a peek at her spell book, maybe even see if she has some powerful gems that he might be able to snatch. Awesome. Uh, let's go over next to Isaac. Hello, I am playing uh, Friar Stephen Fitzpatrick. He is one half of the uh, brother duo, the Fitzpatricks that we have uh, in the party. He's a bit eccentric as he is uh, kind of, he likes to look for different types of herbs and mushrooms and such while they uh, travel. He too has a bit of a problem with the idea of uh, how religion is put into place and kind of he'd like to see think that he sees through the facade of the system and he sees that it's really just there to oppress like people and so he's, he's kind of anti-establishment rebel friar and uh yeah older brother and ran away he was once a noble but left that life to pursue a more simple life of traveling the countryside and getting the the message of the the true God out to uh, those that wish to hear it. Awesome. And I think maybe I'll just jump right over to Ryan so we can establish this brother connection a bit. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ryan Garthock and I'm playing Sir Joffrey Fitzpatrick, the younger brother to the good friar. Uh, the good friar being the older brother was sort of the, the one who was going to take over as the head of the family. And, uh, when he left to to pursue the countryside after his strange exploits of um, mushrooming and and herbing, he sort of left me uh, holding the bag, you know. And so there was a, a lot of resentment there for a long time. But I sort of rose to the occasion and and learned to kind of be the opposite of, of my brother in a lot of ways, you know, and and maybe the opposite of Waymond in that I um, I appreciate the system and the laws and i i represent them i i you know i i'm totally about that and even though um it was perceived that i broke broke some laws you know uh, i'm all about the the chivalric code and the codes of honor and um i kind of see this mission that we're on with um uh, sir silas as being a way of kind of regaining that honor and so i'm taking this this very seriously even though my hand is maybe rubbing the 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 wine coffer a little bit like really you know i i was nobility i i had I had the touch of the finer things in life and this little room we're in is very fine and it's it's very tempting but i've got my eye on the prize and i'm it's funny the two knights no are the are the two that are like lusting after these like <laughs> these 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 comforts uh so much joffrey with the wine and uh silas with the tobacco uh, let's move. Let's let's get introduced uh, to Thomas. So, Chris, uh, tell us a little bit about Thomas. Uh, my name's Chris. Uh, I am playing Thomas Mornspire. He is a minstrel. Had spent about six months running from the law until he turned himself in, being tired of being on the lam. Unfortunately, it turned out that uh, 
he was not really, I guess, being looked for because the picture that they had was a horrible likeness of him. So, but the he met Sir Silas in prison and was able to make the solemn time a little, I guess, less solemn, bring him a little bit of solace with uh, stories and song, which is why Sir Silas brought him along. And also in conversations, he would have known that I was interested in the Dolman Stone, which allowed me to basically come with him and take a chance at this. He is a rather large fellow, has a cloak that has a couple of colorful patches on it. Awesome. And then let's uh, get reintroduced here to Lilibeth. And so we'll go over to Maureen. Hi. So I'm Maureen, and I am being Lilibeth Harper. Um, Lilibeth is a hunter. Um, She ended up in prison and met Sir Silas um, because she was framed essentially for uh, tax evasion, which is uh, is probably the worst possible crime in a kingdom such as this, and um, was immediately drawn to Sir Silas's story, which mirrored my own in that he essentially was doing what he was supposed to do and acting out of the best of motives and he ultimately was was um, thrown into prison for his his uh, pains. So, in addition to being a scribe, um, I had, of course, fled the scene of this framing earlier, not wanting to be involved with these notorious people that I had been um, engaged with in the production of a really great beverage. But I decided that if I really couldn't trust people, I wouldn't trust people, and I would focus my efforts on living life within the forest, hunting to supply my needs and the needs of others around me, and hopefully one day being able to form part of a larger hunting party. So my role with with this t- group is I'm essentially trustful of Sir Silas and, and not very many other people. And so far, they've not given me great cause to trust them. <laughs> In in several instances, including in the way that they react to surprises in the middle of the night. So I'm reserving judgment right now. Awesome. So those are the player characters for uh, our game here. Uh, as mentioned, they also are accompanied by Sir Silas DeSantos, who is, uh, was also imprisoned with all of them. They are out here in the Dolmenwood doing a mission to potentially grant them amnesty in the eyes of the Lumoran Empire. I I don't know that Sir Silas has ever told you explicitly what his story is, but he has alluded to it. And uh, just as you have all kind of mentioned, it would seem that he is taking the fall for something that he didn't do, but it seems to be something that he's at peace with. And so because of his title and position was given this task to find a rogue prismist that, in the eyes of the the Empire, that has apparently absconded to the Dolmenwood with some piece of some piece of arcane power that the Empire does not want in the hands of this person. This person's name is Marjorie Griver, and that was sort of the driving force that brought us to the Dolmenwood. But what we are dealing with right now is a hiccup in the plan, as the party had been um, encamped just outside the Dolmenwood, preparing to trek 
further up the river Hammoth in their three canoes, and a cat-like creature named Jas- Jaspie Poppletail, who they'd interacted with just momentarily, seems that its uh, engagement with the party was a mere distraction for a partner, perhaps. That is, I think, the running theory right now, is there was a second creature that managed to make off with the party's money. And so uh, you have now uh, tracked this creature down to this tower where you are currently located on the second floor. Um, Sir Silas, probably in his 60s, he is a rather thin, he's a thinning man with uh, white hair that is starting to recede. He's um, wearing chain mail, and he is your your benefactor here. He is currently looking at this tobacco, and, and it's putting it back in its rightful place in this little end table between these two overstuffed chairs, resigned to the fact that yes we must press on and so he looks to you all looks up at the doorway that is at the top of the winding staircase that leads up and he says well if we aren't to linger here i suppose up is the only direction to go we've got to find who owns this tower and hopefully um we can find those little cat people so onward and upward and just to review uh we did have sort of a marching order in place previously with joffrey at the front, and Waymond behind, Friar and Thomas uh, somewhere in the middle, Lilibeth in the back, and then Silas kind of being a, the rear guard as you were, at least at least as far as it going up, you know, you kind of have to go single file up these stairs, and so, uh, Joffrey, would you like to lead the way and head up to that, that doorway? And- yeah, I'm, I've, I'll probably um, knock first on the door. Uh, I think we did that on the way in as well, just kind of, hey, anybody home? Coming in, and um, yeah, I think I will open the door. Okay, so you knock upon the door, and you can hear movement from behind uh, the door, and you can hear that something is approaching. I probably won't just barge in then. I'll try probably just be like, Avon calling, something like that. The door opens, and on the other side is a upright skeleton dressed in i guess the fineries of what maybe like a butler it's kind of a black suit uh buttoned up um but it you know it's just kind of hanging off the frame of the skeletal figure and so it's fairly ill-fitting but it opens up the door and sort of gestures silently to the room behind this undead creature you can see there is a long table that is laid out almost like banquet style all sorts of delicacies, desserts, honeyed meats. You could see steam rising off of some of these uh, delicacies, like it had just been freshly prepared, almost in anticipation of your arrival. And there are other, uh, like there, there are other skeletal servants about the room, uh, many of which are, are setting place, uh, plates and silverware out in front of these high back chairs. Uh, a number of them are, are moving the chairs out and gesturing for you to sit and gather. Amidst all this, you can see that on the opposite end of the room, following the, the contour of the tower, is another marble staircase that leads up further. Another doorway, just like the previous ones that you've encountered. This is unsettling, but this smells wonderful. Brother, do you still have some of the powder that came from the puff that you, that was collected? Maybe, maybe we should, we could test to see if some of this food is poisonous. Or... Oh, I well, you, you were thinking of eating it? 
Uh, it's, te it's tempting <laughs> a little bit. That's what you're thinking about right now. Smells <laughs> <was> good. <laughs> and that wine was good. Smelled good. The tobacco, the food. The, these these fine skeletal men are inviting us to this fine meal. It's it's attempt. It's tempting. Yeah, the operative word is skeletal. I mean, it is a wizard's tower. Ooh, now we know it's a necromancer. That is uh, more ominous. How Maybe about we should just hightail it to the, to, to the stairs on the other side of the room, then? Uh, either way, I'd say maybe we hold off on testing any food right now. Because there are more pressing matters to deal with. As as he's, like, staring, he's kind of, like... You could see him clutching, like, at his, his chest. And you would see maybe like an amulet, like kind of underneath, kind of just holding it a bit as he's kind of staring at these skeletal creatures walking around. Oh. Is there still one holding the door? Yeah, it's still there. Uh, you're if you're in conversation outside the room. He's just he's kind of gesturing, almost like maybe getting more like um, insistent a bit. It maybe even kind of moves forward and, and grabs at your hand, Sir, Sir Joffrey, not in a like menacing way. I mean, other than, you know, it's a skeleton, but it's it's not, like, being aggressive, I guess. Grabs your hand and is kind of, like, offering to maybe, like, guide you to the table. So he touches him. Yeah. And, and I don't feel anything bad happen or anything? Uh, no, uh, you know, sharp, pointy bits uh, kind of digging into your skin, but he's not, like, pressing with any force. It's a very kind of gentle em embrace of your hand. I've been called many things, but uh, rude is not one of them. And I go ahead and I move forward in between everybody and go to the table yeah. and grab something and look at everybody and eat it. And uh, <laughs> tell me, like, what kind of a, a food item are you looking for? Are you looking for more of, like, a dessert or a... I, to be totally honest, probably something not messy, maybe like a roll or uh, okay. something something bread, whether it's a sweet or a roll or whatever. Yeah, there's a, a there's like sort of like a a number of like kind of cinnamon bun looking things on a plate, um, and you go to reach out and rip one off. It doesn't appear to be an illusion. You can feel it. You can even kind of smell the notes of the cinnamon. Um, the frosting looks delicious. You take a bite of it, uh, very sweet, a bit of, bit of comfort uh, after, you know, you've been just eating rations and whatnot on the road, and so this is like a heaven to taste this. Seems this is okay. Well, brother, seems like s somebody tests for poison anyway. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I just was the suggestion, and I'll, I'll go sit down and I'm going to grab, is there like, like something savory, like a turkey leg or something? Uh yes, uh roast. There's a roasted turkey that's laid out. Um, oh yeah, and so I'm going right. For, I'm just going right for the turkey leg. Rip that off and bite into it. It is. Um, oh man, it's it is juicy. It is very high quality. Uh, there's some kind of a glaze on it that uh, has a bit of a sweetness uh, as well. And so like all of this, these juices mixing about in your. It's just this. It's delectable. Um, oh my God, Silas, Silas, you've got to try this. This is amazing. And, Way better uh, than prison food. He he sort of like raises an eyebrow and he says, "So the tobacco was off limits, but this this banquet of the undead is okay." We've been invited. Well, and he's just kind of looking at both you and Thomas, and he says, "Unless it's a very slow acting." 
type of thing. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm a strong enough man to say no. And he moves over fairly uh, cautiously, but he also grabs at uh, a bit of the, the turkey meat. Uh, there's there's like some serving utensils and stuff. And he's, he kind of goes for some of the white meat and cuts himself off a piece and grabs a little something. The, the skeletons are moving about, like filling goblets with uh, pitchers of wine. They're filling like uh, different goblets uh, for you all. Certainly feels less like stealing than since we're being served and whatnot. I, I, I would expect that maybe someone, none, none of the skeletons speak, or, or if we try to speak to them, they don't speak back. And it doesn't see, like they kind of communicate with you non-verbally, but you're not getting the sense that they, if they have any kind of intelligence, it would be very limited. Basically, at this point, it, it sort of seems they're more mechanical, like they're kind of following procedures. Well, and I want to test that. Um, I'm not sure how safe it is to eat this. And I don't feel very comfortable around all this uncanniness. So I am going to literally bounce on the balls of my feet over and say and drop a something between a bow and a curtsy because I'm not exactly sure what to do in the circumstance and say, um, this all looks very lovely, but... Um, we're really quite anxious to meet the um, the master of this tower. Is there is there any way that that we could thank him before we start in on the, the meal, or her, or them? Uh, maybe like the the original skeleton that opened the door is looking at you, and it's just it's just staring back, and then just again gestures to the table. Hmm. So I decide to test another thought. They start walking over towards the door to, you know, the entryway that's that has the marble steps that I can see. So I'm just walking over there. I'm not climbing up yet. Okay. Uh, you're, you, 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 you walk around the table, get to the opposite end of the room, and you're standing at the base of those stairs. The skeletons still are kind of just doing the same thing that they've been doing before. They, they don't, if you're looking for like a, a severe reaction from them, they don't really give you that. Uh, just sort of, again, gentle kind of like invitation waves over to the table. None of them like pursue you over there or anything like that. Well, with that, then I'm looking back at all of my companions. Uh, you would see the friar still standing and the door kind of shocked. <laughs> He's looking at these skeletal figures walking around. Serving everyone. Ow. Um, everyone remember? Oh, it does smell lovely. Why we are here? Um, we might... We don't know what type of fiendish food this is. Please, um, maybe we... Is he, is he being, like, gestured to come into her? Because he really hasn't really stepped in the door. He's, like, kind of not... I think so. Uh, there's six skeletons in total, and so um, you know now that there's a few, there's there's a few of the the characters are indulging. There's probably like one of the butlers kind of gesturing for you, like looking directly at you, gesturing for you to come in. Oh, um, friar, friar! I know that this all looks quite suspicious to you as a man of the church. Necromancy is outlawed as one of the uh, unallowed schools of magic, but I can tell you as an arcanist myself. All magic is magic. It's just different schools, whether you're conjuring an illusion or conjuring a lovely skeleton to be a butler. Uh, well, it is a bit odd. As Look, watch. I close my eyes. I open them. There is a feast here in a wizard's tower. 
as six skeletal figures are beckoning us to eat it. This is the same wizard tower where we believe that our little kitty men running around with our gold coin. Well, we don't have to eat. I'm just wanting to examine myself. But we can at least be polite. This coin uh, <laughs> cost us 200 gold pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all that. Yes, brother, if the, if the wizard or somebody is in charge of these, these skeletons, as I imagine they are, they, they are inviting us into this meal, and maybe once we all sit down, they may join us, or maybe we'll find out what's going on, fi- uh, be able to find the master. But we certainly won't find the master if you don't step in the doorway, my older brother. Please, just come in. Um, the friar would uh, hesitantly, still kind of clutching his amulet underneath his uh, robe, kind of step forward a bit, but not really look to sit down. In fact, he might uh, look forward. You said that there was another door on the opposite side. Yeah, uh, so the big banquet table in the middle of the room on the opposite side is just sort of, uh, you know, another stone marble staircase that leads up with no railing that just winds around the perimeter of the room up to a landing where there's another wooden door. I'm. Can I make my way to maybe that stairwell? Not necessarily like going up. So you, you walk over there and you're over by where Lilith is kind of testing mm-hmm. that as well. I would uh, definitely call out uh, up forward and say hello um i assume we are your guests uh we're here uh now uh would love to talk to you down here if you're up there please come on down you hear um the door kind of slowly creak open and then uh from the opposite side you see a green-skinned face with pointy ears uh kind of poke out and like look at you for like a split second and then like close the door rather swiftly and you can hear kind of like some muffled conversation happening up there behind that door joffrey yes <laughs> please put that down and come out go over here please yeah i i will i will put the i'm not going to put the leg down actually i'm going to keep it in my hand as i walk over <laughs> what's go what's going on brother what what have you found? No, no. I think he would, if first, when as soon as you bring over that that drumstick, he'd say, no, no, you're holding it all wrong. And he'd kind of try to take it from your hand and kind of hold it more like a, a weapon of sorts. Like, no, this is how you do it. You, 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 club, you use it this way, just in case one of these creatures, they, they turn on you. You understand. You want to hold it like this with the bone out. And, and he says, there, there was, there was a, a face up there, a little, uh, a green, pointy-eared face. Not sure, but they're, they're up there now. I, I think maybe we might move forward. Right? What, where, where did... Yes, and he took a look at us, and or it took a look at us, or whatever. And but they didn't come down, and they didn't really invite us up. I think I'm going to uh, start up the stairs waving the, the um, turkey leg around, be like, thank you, thank you! Um, hello? Hello? This is delicious! Would you join us? Uh, or, um, my friends say you have a face! It's like, it gets real quiet, like you, you could hear, like, like there's, like, like chattering, like, like, 
half a dozen voices like all kind of talking on top of each other and then you call out and it just gets silent like stops and there's like a pause and then you just hear um do you have any money tons of it ton plethora of money i think i'm just gonna see if i can open the door it is locked how much money how much how much money do they take from us all 200 i think <laughs> yeah it was roughly something like that yeah i'd have to do an accounting of it but something like that i think I, maybe i'll say something like um i don't know you'll have to help us count it oh that much huh <laughs> come on out and we can count it together so uh the door unlocks and you see again like the door opens kind of just like like the the person or the the figure opening it like doesn't want to give you too much birth here it's a creature that stands maybe about three and a half feet tall green skinned like these pointy ears with uh maybe just a couple of like golden earrings kind of piercing it and he's dressed in pretty shabby clothing uh just sort of like a uh, an overcoat that looks pretty dingy and it's looking up at you and but but from behind this figure you can see there's a circular table in the room the number of chairs and in the middle of the table is a bunch of coin there are cards laid out uh, there's some dice cups and you can see there are five goblins seated there and two uh grimalkin these little cat creatures there and they're currently like shaking dice cups and rolling dice and money is being exchanged and there's a lot of smoke in the air like a number of them are smoking rolled tobacco and cigars and uh the figure that just opened the door for you says if you got money like we can deal you in i believe we've already bought in the game with around 200 gold pieces um poppletail was the man who bought us in you can see the one there's one <laughs> tabby for grimalkin that kind of pops its head up and says ah oh hey how are you doing Hey, it, it, you bought us into the game, right? Uh, no. I'm doing pretty, I'm on a hot streak right now, though. <laughs> oh, so that means then you, um, if you didn't buy us into the game with our 200 gold pieces, then it seems you must owe it to us then, correct? No, not correct. <laughs> yes, you didn't have to pay the feed fee. you? Wait, 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 wait. Didn't we feed you? That's right. It was a gift. Um, it, yes. A gift say... and a hospitality. Thank you. Yes, well, don't you have... Well, I don't know. I've never met... I've never met one of your people before. I just assumed that we were giving you guest right. Like you no, said, my... thank you. Mm. So I guess guest right here doesn't mean that you don't steal from your host. I didn't steal from you. Or allow your friends to steal from your host. It looks at the other Grimalkin. He's not my friend. <laughs> ah, oh. Okay, so you guys are independent. Mm hmm. Grimalkin are mm. very independent. I, I see. I see. In that case, if you don't have guest right and we're not your hosts and we were never your hosts, then you've stolen our money. The yes? other, the other Grimalkin is, has sort of a grayish fur and is wearing a floppy beret on his head. He just looks up at you and he says, Doesn't matter how I came to have this coin, it's mine now. So, could we win it back from you? Uh, what do you got to wager? Well, you pretty, 
what do we have to wager? Hang on just a second. Let me find out. What do we have to wager? <laughs> I don't think we have anything. I think we could like threaten his life, maybe. Couple so, of the, well, couple of the goblins oh. stand up and they're pointing at uh, Sir Silas's sword and they're like, "That's a pretty cool sword. Tell him to wager that." Yeah. Let me see what I've got. I'll fish it in my pocket and I'll pull out my quartz and I'll kind of give everyone like a little bit of a sly, sly look and say, well, you like to gamble. This right here is a shiny jewel. We all can agree it's quite pretty and I kind of catch some light with it. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll play a game, my quartz, we win, we get our money back. No problems, we leave the tower, no need for any further consternation. You bring that out, uh, they'll all kind of like look at each other and confer. You know, they're gambling with coin, and so they have sort of a brief conversation about whether what you've provided or are offering is like worth a, a, a deal or a buy into the game. And then, um, after, after doing so, they uh, look to you and they all kind of in unison nod, and one of them kind of kicks the chair out. Uh, that one, the one chair that the goblin that's sitting by the door had previously occupied they kind of kick that forward and invite you to come and sit with them and they gesture for you put your quartz in the center of the table okay are we all invited yeah i was gonna say is it one chair there's there's only um there's only enough room at the table for eight and so this is like the the one the one chair that is open can the rest come in the room with us though yeah they 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 don't seem like they have an issue with that uh question uh, for the DM, does it seem like we've reached the top of the tower, or does no. it seem like there? Again, there's another, yeah, another staircase that leads up. Okay, wait a minute, uh, please uh, come here a moment. Let me see your hand. I've got a, my hands are gloved. Are you? Do you need me to take gloves? No, off? it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Please, 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 Saint Thom, Faith Smith, please guide this man's hands as he gambles as he will bring us our gold and wealth back. Please, please, for we are here to do right, to right the wrongs and help the people. And please, 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 please. Thank you through the name of our true God, Slemen, or whatever, whatever. This is. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> the nameless God. The name, yeah, the nameless God. <laughs> please. Well, Thank you very much for that inspirational uh, begging. Oh, you're welcome. That's kind of what praying's all about. <laughs> inspirational <laughs> begging. <laughs> but I'll make good use of it. And if I don't, I'm just going to give a wink. All right. So, Wayman, do you take your seat at the table? Yeah. How many of these little things are there again? Uh, there are eight in total. There's two Grimalkin and six goblins, but the one goblin, it seems, is sitting out of the game to make room for, for you to play. Got hand. it. Okay. So um, your competition is seven others. So they're going to explain to you this dice game that they play. And basically, so you've wagered in. And so you've got a cut of whatever the takings are should you be able to stay in. And the way it works is that you roll a 2d6, and if you roll a 7 or a 12, you remain and get a cut of the pot. All right. How many rolls do we get? Just one? It's an elimination kind of thing. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, gosh. Oh, I wish I had taken an illusion spell. This would have been perfect timing. I have moved into the room and I have something from the table, some sort of chalice platter thing or something. 
I'm still going to be eating. Awesome. So the entertainment is on. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm probably going to, I'm going to kind of embrace that we're in a very weird place at this point. I'm just going to chat, like chat up the goblin. <laughs> so, uh, goblins, huh? You know? Humans, huh? <laughs> Small talk ensues. All right. Here we go. First roll. It's an eight. An eight. Okay. So uh, all of the all of the creatures reveal their their dice cups, and uh, you can see that one of the goblins has a seven, and this other not Jaspi but the other Grimalkin um, reveals their cup, and it is a seven. So the two of them they start to uh, split the pot, although there is a little bit of an argument that comes up once it gets down to the matter of your quartz because they, they, there's a dispute about how much it is worth, and they're starting to get kind of agitated with one another as they're arguing about you know how to compensate the other for a, a proportion of the coin. While they're engaged in all of this conversation or whatever, I do want to be standing behind the two little Grimalkin, and I want to make note of where their pouches are. They both have a bag. It seems that they have, like, in front of their chair. Uh, it's underneath the table, and, like, they've got their feet kind of dangling just above the, the bag. Um, and it seems like both of them has a, has a sizable sack of treasure and coin. When they pull my quartz out of the center of the table, I give a very furtive look at Thomas, and then I look again at Lilybeth, and then I look at the good friar. I don't look at Sir Silas, I don't look at Joffrey, and I'm just like, I cast color spray. <laughs> okay, you cast color spray? Yeah. All right. I just poof right in their face. So. All right, so. I was waiting for someone to, to tell to shake head no. No one did. Oh, <laughs> I believe what is it that you roll? I don't have that that book so handy, but it's I a number a of hit six. dice, right? Yeah, I roll a d six to see how many of the creatures are affected. It's a twenty foot long co- cone. I'm imagining like, and it's twenty foot wide at the end. I'm imagining I can like just like blast everyone that's in, in range. Mm-hmm. Um, and but anyways, it's gonna be a d six and see how many are affected. And it's five, so five of them are affected. So the way this works. Depends on their eight, their hit die. So my hit die is one. If they are equal to that or lower than that, they are knocked unconscious. So any of them have a one hit, hit die. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you hit five of them. So then, um, well, they are unconscious. Is that, all, is that all of them, or is that all but the one that's not at the table? So I think they get uh, some saves versus magic, basically here. So we'll see. I, I, um, I'm not sure. It, it's never specified in any of the, in any of the spells that there's a save. Okay. It's not like five e, but it's just got it. You know, like if you cast a sleep, it'd be the same same thing. Well, the reason why though it says that, um, well, I guess the effect. So it says knocked unconscious for two d four rounds. Creatures of six HD or greater may save versus spells. So I was kind of interpreting that as you only get the save if you have six HD, six hit die. Five of the goblins end up being unconscious and they just kind of drop over as you hit them in the face with that color spray that bewildering light Um, (laughs) they drop face forward thunk the two grimalkin uh pop up one of the we'll say that i guess it makes sense that the the goblin over by the door is uh not hit Mm -hmm. with this uh color spray i think what i'm going to do here is i'm going to do a morale check to see (laughs) how these two uh creatures 
what their kind of response is, whether it's a fight or flight type thing. Cool. And I'm going to, as I yell, cast it, I'm yelling, grab the gold and go. I'll, pro- I'll probably draw my sword at the, at the um, goblin that I'm chatting up as soon as I see the magic <laughs> go off. Too. Okay. Uh, basically how I'm going to treat this is sort of the surprise thing. Like this is the surprise, you know, everybody is kind of surprised the spell uh, just went off. Mm-hmm. And then uh, depending <laughs> on what transpires here, We'll see if we need to roll into an initiative and uh, <laughs> work that out. So, okay, as that happens, uh, both uh, Jaspi and this other one uh, kind of hop up. You can see they kind of bare their claws, razor Uh-oh. sharp, <laughs> like daggers on the ends of their fingers. Um, the goblin, the goblin know. pulls out his dagger and he's <laughs> he just yells, "We're being robbed!" <laughs> so we'll, we're gonna move into our first ever uh combat encounter we're gonna die now you, now you know how we feel is what i shout back at the goblins so, uh you guys are gonna roll a d6 i'm gonna roll a d6 and we're gonna see which side goes first so do you want to elect somebody on yours uh amongst you to be the the caller i guess for this Wayman got us into this mess. I was gonna say, yeah. I think it's it's Wayman's uh, roll. Doubling down on our luck here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> one bad roll and one good roll. Now for the. Come on. It's a two. It is a <laughs> two. The enemies are going to go first. So uh, I just need to like kind of suss out kind of where everyone is. So I'm Wayman. You're still at the table, having just cast the spell. Yeah, um, I stood up and cast it, but yeah. But right there, I'm like leaning over the table. Where is Thomas? Thomas was standing uh, with a platter kind of in his hand, eating, watching what was going on. Were you uh, specifically positioned behind the Grimmelkin? That is that is correct. Okay. Kind of in between, in between them. Uh, I got Joffrey is over by the door uh, where the goblin is, who just pulled out the weapon. Um, how about uh, Friar Fitzpatrick? Uh, Friar would probably be kind of center of the room as he was kind of just maybe honestly he'd probably be behind uh waymond as he had kind of was over there anyway okay he, he prayed uh, over his shoulder at the table yeah. where he's uh-huh. and how about lilibeth um i would have been lounging against the door jam um and i'm not lounging right now okay that sounds good the gray furred grimalkin that's wearing the beret Puts out its cigar and jumps up on the table and uh, is going to move across the table and like is right near Waymond. I- I'll run through like the stages of combat here, um, just to re- reiterate it a few times uh, so we can get the process down. So basically, uh, the sequence of combat is at the beginning you declare spells or retreats. So if you have a spell to cast, you have to say so at the top of your initiative count. And that's basically all you're doing that turn. Like, you can't move. All you're doing is concentrating on casting that spell. If you're engaged in combat or the group wants to retreat from a combat, that is declared before anything else happens. You know, you can't mix it up or or switch or change your mind after we start going through the process. Like, it's kind of at the beginning. So after that happens, and that actually, I I already messed that up because that's actually supposed to happen before we even roll for initiative, before we know which group is going first and which group is going second. So then they want initiative. They're going first. The first thing that happens is uh, movement. Everybody simultaneously on the side that is 
currently in initiative moves. So gray-haired uh, gray one is jumping up on the table, going right towards Waymond. Uh, Jaspi is grabbing one of the two bags that are under the table, running up towards, running up the marble staircase. And I'm going to say with its movement, doesn't quite get to the door to open it and leave the room, but is at the top of the landing. And it looks like is very much trying to abscond with this wealth and continue up into the tower. I would say you could see that Jaspi looks at the other door for a moment, but with Sir Joffrey there kind of blocking the way, maybe made an assessment of, I'm going to take the path of least resistance. Um, the goblin is going to stay put. It's just turned its attention to Joffrey and has a, uh, a weapon bared. So then the next thing that happens is missile attacks. So anybody that would be using a missile attack would do so at this time. I don't have any. So oh. uh, we're going to move into melee attacks. So we'll start with uh, the Grimmelkin right by Waymond. We'll make an attack roll. All right, y'all. Here we go. This is it. How many hit points do you have? What, I like have three. two? Oh, man. I rolled a 22 to hit. Oh, no. <laughs> my AC is 10. Oh, no. uh, and three hit points of damage. I die. <laughs> so I had some rules that I had uh, adapted for this kind of situation. <laughs> uh, so it was three damage that you took. So I'm just going to read this out loud um, so you Come can on. help me to adjudicate the situation. So hit points represent a character's ability to keep incoming damage from damaging their flesh. Any damage that cannot be soaked up by their hit points becomes lethal damage. Whenever a PC takes lethal damage, roll on this table, referencing the severity along the left side of the table and hit location along the top. Come there is a, a table there. You gain the listed injury as well as all injuries above it. Interpret results logically. A crushing blow can't actually sever a leg, but it can cripple it to the same effect. To me, uh, we don't have to do anything yet because you really didn't take any lethal damage. We hit your HP exact. I think I'm going to rule that this just brings you unconscious. Okay. If I had rolled a four, then we would have to do a roll. We would figure out what the hit location was by rolling a D6, and then we would roll uh, severity, which would be a D12 plus the lethal damage. So like... In in the case of I rolled a four, it would be a D12 plus one, the overage, plus um, the number of current injuries you have. So if you'd stacked up a number of injuries, those would factor in as well. Cool. So that, that seemed, go and... seemed fair. Uh, if it's like right on the money, it's not actually a lethal. That seems fair. I think anything seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, he's still alive. I'm good with that. Yeah. So I just... I'm like, I cast the spell, I yell it out, and then this cat just across the table and just slashes me across the chest, and I just go on the ground. <laughs> the friar's sitting there behind you. Going, ah. <laughs> I don't know. This this little thing is like a little bit more uh, frantic and uh, maybe deranged than Jaspi, and it's just like slashing at your face, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, you want to go all in? You want to go all in? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jaspi's like, holy crap, <laughs> running off a little bag. Uh, the goblin over by Joffrey is going to take a swing with, uh, what did I say? Has a dagger, I think. Yeah, I don't remember, honestly. And just kind of clumsily 
uh, pulls it out and kind of stabs around pretty wide stabbing motion. You manage to just kind of backpedal and it stabs like right into the wooden door. And so that's going to bring it over to your initiative. And so any of you wanting to take any movement this turn? Okay. So we've, we've got two Grimalkins, one on the table, one of them heading towards me. One of them heading up the stairway to the, the, I guess it would be the fifth floor now. Okay. And can I see them from where I'm standing? Uh, yes. There, there is no, um, the stairway just follows the curvature of the tower and there's no railing or anything. So you can see it as it's moving up to the next floor. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to plant my feet, but I want to plant it so that I can track the path of the Grimalkin up the stairs. Then when we attack, I'll do something. I don't need to move to hit this goblin. I assume it's right in front of me. Yeah, correct. All right. Then we will go to uh, any ranged attacks. Okay. So I do want to use a ranged attack. Um, and I would be aiming. So can I say that it's a non-lethal attack? You cannot. Uh, piercing <sighs> okay. arrow. Piercing arrow would be piercing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and so then I just roll a d20? Uh, yep. Um, a 20 to hit? A 20 to hit will definitely land into the flesh of the Abbeyford Grimalkin. Okay, and it's three points of damage. Three points of damage. Arrow sinks into the fur of Jasper. You can see uh, she sort of arches her back a little bit with that piercing wound. It's sort of a grazing wound, I guess. Uh, maybe right over the shoulder. It doesn't actually stick into her flesh, but you cut into her. Just stop. I really don't want to kill you. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment that uh, subdual damage is a thing. You can uh, do non-lethal, but it has to be with like a bludgeoning weapon or mm. um, you'd have to use like maybe like the butt end of a sword or something. And so it'll do less damage than cutting the thing. But it is possible to do that. I would, in kind of in my surprise or whatever, I would drop the platter and draw a dagger and throw it at the uh, Grimalkin that just slew my friend. Okay. Uh, that's a 19 on the die, so plus one is 20. That will hit. Four. All right. Four, Boosh! Four points of damage to Lil Cotton Socks. Yep. <laughs> it, it really... Uh, oh. It really doesn't make it as much fun when they've got cute names like Lopetail and fun. That makes it even more fun. <laughs> I feel like Lina, bad uh, now. Wayman just got taken down by Lil Kansak. Lil <laughs> when, the, when we have to get to the point of putting the tombstone together, you know, we've got to put that. It's got to be engraved in it. Fought bravely against Lil Kansak. Master of his craft, slain by Lil Kansak. Get the apostrophe in there, too. It's got to be Lil. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I'm not sh certain how this works, but basically I'm drawing the dagger and throwing it, and then I want to draw another dagger and my sword. Sounds good. Uh, then we will move into uh, melee attacks. I'll be attacking this goblin with my sword for sure. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, three probably doesn't hit. Three will not hit, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Friar Fitzpatrick, though. Uh, Friar Fitzpatrick kind of... Startled goes under his uh, robe and brings out like a pretty impressive looking like mace. Like it, you'd notice that it would <laughs> it would look kind of similar to the mace his brother had. And he brings it out and just like tries to like almost give the little cotton socks like an uppercut with his mace like to his chin. 
13? 13 will not hit. It, it uh, agility oh. of Lil Cotton Socks manages to kind of leap back as that uppercut comes from the... Uh, what kind of a mace is it? Is it like, just like a ball with spikes, or is it uh, kind of like a flanged mace? Or Yeah, I, I would say it was. it's more of a blunt kind of villain mace. Cool. Definitely not like sharp or anything like that. Sounds good. So like a round ball with a bunch of other round nubs on it. Uh -huh. or something. Yeah. Hey, Alex, I have a question. Um, is your damage from strength? Do you just get that? Would I get that with my dagger being thrown or? That's a good question. I'm going to say, I'll say yes. Then it would be five damage. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. That would be going down, cotton socks. Yeah. Go down. <laughs> One hit go down. <laughs> the two brothers can't hit it, but that hit would have slew any one of us, I'd say. That's true. That's 100% true. All right. So it's another initiative round. So, Winston, if you want to give the D6, four. Ooh. All right. We tied. So we'll roll again. Again? Yep. I roll a two, five. Five. Nice. All right. I would like to cast a spell. Oh, sorry. I should have. I should have asked that ahead of time. But uh, absolutely, uh, we're learning. We'll get there. He'll reach down and touch Waymond, and kind of call out to Saint Little Beth. Ah, the breath of Little Beth uh, restores your life. The tr through the true God, it's all right. And you, <laughs> and, uh, I'll cast a cure wounds. Is this a, a saint that you got off the list? Yes. Is it just happenstance that it sounds know, remarkably similar to Lil Beth? <laughs> it's exactly yes. Lil Beth. That's the thing. Lil Beth, yeah. All right. Uh, so spell effects happen at the end of everything else happening. But yeah. Okay. Um, fortunately, you won initiative, so uh, this will happen at the end here. So uh, start things off. Uh, movement for anybody? I don't know if this would be movement, but I want to take a step forward and I want to kick the table with my right foot to hopefully slide the table over Wayman's body and have cotton socks move towards me, maybe stumble and fall in my And Alex, sorry, Al Alex, you said that the other pouch is still under the the chair that cotton socks or that uh, Poppletail was in? Yeah, well, uh, Poppletail took her bag, but the bag uh, belonging to uh, cotton socks is still there. I think when it's called like like uh, moving the table with a gesture like that would be an action. Would you would you want to use your action for that? No, because I want to I want to be able to attack. No problem. So it sounds like we're we're good on probably movement. I'm just making I'm just making a decision based on what was said at the table, including this is not a friend of mine. Um, and so I'm gonna check and see. Do I have line of sight on? cotton socks on the table from uh, where i'm at yes mm -hmm. okay so i'm going to shift the focus of my attack i mean you know i talked to one of them i didn't really talk to the other one so i'm going to go ahead and shoot at the one that just attacked a member of my party and doesn't look like they're going to let up anytime soon so i'm going to go ahead and shoot oh no i did not hit okay it was a five okay sounds good uh any other ranged attacks uh, we'll move into melee any melee attacks all right, better than a three this time. Better than a three. Oh, 19. 19 will connect. Go ahead and roll All your right. damage. Two. Uh, go ahead and describe <clears throat> to me your slaying of the goblin. So, yeah, after having kind of slashed and missed 
with the first um, attack with my sword. This is kind of coming back with an upward motion, probably, you know, cleaving him in two and just like having him uh, anime style slide like down. You cleave into his body, cleave him into two, his body drops, and you just hear the clanging of the dagger on the uh, stone floor here. I was moving forward on, you know, around the table to get an attack All right. on cotton socks. Uh, now, I have a short sword and dagger. Okay, so you can roll 2d20, basically the 5e version of advantage you've got on this attack. That's good. I have advantage because that was a 1 and a 16. Okay, the 16 will hit. Do some damage to Lil Cotton Socks. Uh, that's a four plus one is five. Awesome. I think that resolves everything except for the spell. So we'll go to Friar Fitzpatrick. All right. Uh, Friar Fitzpatrick will say exactly what he said. Something, something, something. You're all right. And then he, whatever runs with all right. And then he's going to go ahead and cast that spell. It's good that I went a little bit later because I did not have the Cure Wounds spell up when we first started. We started this game. I didn't think that we would need it yet. <laughs> uh, so you will be getting uh, 1d6 hit points back. Oh, great. Two hit points back. That was not... Hey, that's 66%. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we just had some healing that happened by at the hands of uh, Friar Fitzpatrick to Waymond. Um, I think I'm going to make the ruling here because I hadn't really thought about what what does it look like after a downed character comes back up during combat? I think I'm going to say it's one round after you've been resuscitated to kind of get back up standing. You forfeit your turn, your your action, You're like your whole turn. That round is just getting back up or laying back or, or just waking up, you know, whether you stay down prone. Uh, or staying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. So that was the end of you. You guys won the initiative there, so it goes to the enemies now. So let's see. No magic or anything like that, so we would move right into movement. Uh, Jaspy Poppletail at the top there gives a lick of the wound that it uh, suffered from the grazing of the arrow and opens up that wooden door. That's where she goes, and she closes the door behind her as she as she leaves. That'll be her action. Goblin is down. Really, all we have left here is uh, Cotton Socks. So Cotton Socks is going to turn its ire to the fryer, try to slash at your face. Oh, oh no. 19 <coughs> to hit. <laughs> Fuck. Shit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, I've killed you. I've killed us all. Two points of damage. Uh, give me a second. Oh, man, you're making I'm a sweat. Fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I think fryer oh. I'm good. Still up, right. a little. So that brings us to another initiative order. Uh, so Winston of D6. All right. I have a Come two. On. Was Sir Silas doing anything? Oh, you're right. You, Sir Silas should be in here, too. Sir Silas would be trying to hit. Uh, let me th- roll. Thanks for reminding me of that. Um, he would be over by Jaspi taking a swing with his longsword. And he rolls and he hits. And he does four points of damage. So Lil Cotton Socks is looking pretty bloodied uh, after that blow. Let's see. Uh, what, what did you have for the initiative roll? Five. Five. Okay, so you guys are up first. Any spells? I'm going to keep doing it wrong, yeah. Uh, but any spells or retreats? Uh, so then we'll go into movement. Any movement that anybody wishes. I would move Wait. to um, to Cotton Socks. Where, uh, I, if I'm by the door and Cotton Socks is at the table, I'm going to move to engage in melee with him. Okay. It's getting pretty crowded there around the table, but yes, you can absolutely do that. 
Actually, he just took a swipe at my bro. And Lilibeth? It is getting crowded around the table. Um, and everybody's attacking the cat or cat person. And I'm a little bit worried about accidentally hitting somebody if I shoot into that mess. So um, I'm going to um, move move over to where um, I'm going to stay out of range of the cat. But I'm going to go ahead and move over to where uh, Thomas is standing. Mm-hmm. Right, let's, uh, <laughs> go right down the line here. Fire Fitzpatrick. After that prayer, he stands up and swings his mace kind of haphazardly back. Take this and shove it! He yells. uh, (laughs) uh, 15? 15 hits. Oh, okay. Get the kill shot, Friar. Four points. Four points. Flat, you're... Ball the mace right squarely in the face of Lil Cotton Socks, and its whole nose—it's just bleeding out. But it's a little bit dazed, but still standing. Other melee attacks. Yeah, I'm gonna swing. All right. Sir Silas misses as well. I need I to get will... a new D20. Hang on, let me actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh I will uh attack cotton okay. socks one more time and say your your fur is going to look nice adorning my cloak. Uh there's a four and then a sixteen, so a seventeen. Seventeen hits. Uh, three plus one is four. Describe to us how you finish it. Uh, swinging with, uh, you know, faking him out with my dagger. He goes to block that. I put the uh, short sword right through its little neck and uh, kind of slowly lay it down on the table. And its body goes limp, and it just slides off of the blade, and is laying on top of the uh, the ill-begotten uh, coin and such that uh, they've been gambling with. We should dispatch these goblins as well. The yeah, ones that are passed out, right? Okay. Just so you know, we only have a few more seconds before they wake up. <laughs> that spell's not permanent, so we have five more rounds before they wake up. I rolled a seven on the how many rounds. Are and do they to? wake up if we attack them? Uh, basically, them. if you attack, like you, you could just execute them. Like weak, as weak, as, weak as a goblin is, it's just as a coup de gras. Does anybody have any moral objections? Absolutely. I'm looking at my brother. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, so do we tie him up? Then, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I, they're goblins, so I'm kind of inclined to s- smite them. But it does seem the rule of law would be, you know. To go with the group if anybody has moral objections. Well, so, do we want to tie him up? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and I just want to point out that I'm not, I'm not at all a church going person. And I'm really pretty much in this for myself. And I've never made any bones about this. But what we just did now here in this moment, 
pretty much borders on evil from where I'm standing. Yeah, and I just yeah. puff out of the room. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, as you're saying that, I'm starting to tie them because we don't have much time. So who? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a couple of logistics questions here. So the the plan is in this couple of rounds that Waymond has bought you, uh, you're going to tie them up. Uh, does, who has the rope in which you're tying them up? I have a 50 foot rope. Okay, I do too. So. Um, I would say for the moment being, maybe scratch that out or that that has sort of been consumed, at least for the time being. This is kind yeah. of like you're just piling the bodies together in like one big like lasso <laughs> around them kind of style. Okay. So whoever's doing that, just maybe cross that off for the, the moment just to account for that. Um, I, 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 I cross it off mine. Yeah. So no problem. Uh, you're, you're more than capable of doing that uh, before they start to kind of groggily uh, wake up. Um, Lilibeth, you have uh, huffed out of the room. W which way are you doing that? Are you going up or down? Well, I'm going... I'm le really leery about going down back into the room because I have no idea what the skeletons might do. So I'm going to shut the, that door and then go stomp up to the top of the stairs. Okay. I think I will... Uh, I'm going to address that in just a second, but just see what's going on with the rest of the group as Waymond... Fitzpatrick, Joffrey, and Thomas, as well as Sir Silas, are uh, it's a team effort here because you got to pull the bodies off of the chairs and round them up and everything. So uh, you managed to do that. I'll probably, t you know, tell S Silas or somebody like, you know, gather while we do this, gather the coin and, the, and everything mm. and, and take an accounting uh, so that we can figure out where we stand and... Um, you know, I'll just uh, share my point of view that, quite frankly, you know, if we have gained our coin back and we can continue our travels, like, I see no reason to pursue. Even though this food is delicious, like, I think everybody, like, yeah, it's a little creepy here, you know? Well, that was the plan. Uh, it was just blood comes out of my mouth. Yeah. I was um, <clears throat> trying to blind them so that we could grab the coin and run. But they got the jump on us. I'm yeah. so sorry. It maybe staring at me. <laughs> the best way to let me know what you're about to do. As he's like finished finishing tying the bow. I winked. I winked, remember? I said it. I'm either getting the court back or I'm, or I'm getting it back. And if you remember, I winked back. That's right. And there were several winks. I need to learn the winking thing, this winking communication. So the eye arch is useful. But I'm going to grab my quartz if it's still on the table someplace, is it? The, the quartz is still on the table. So uh, real quick, a, sort of a rough accounting of what you see uh, as you're trying to assess, like, how are you doing uh, <laughs> in the wealth department? So in the center of the table is a fair share of coin. And I would say... Uh, interesting that it is exclusively gold. So there, you would assess that there is about 350 gold pieces worth of coin scattered about the table. Uh, your quartz is there in the middle, as is a porcelain bowl. It seems like another, maybe one of these goblins was like you, showed up. <laughs> no coin, but I've got this fancy bowl. Decided to buy in with that. Um, it's interesting because the porcelain bowl is painted, and it looks like in the, the bottom of the bowl is a coat of arms. And this is uh, this this triggers a memory of just earlier today when you had arrived at the the Falls of Nim, 
that the guards, the patrol, were wearing tabards with this symbol on it, a house symbol, and it was on their shields. Inside the large bag that was dangling under the gray-haired Grimalkin is, we will say roughly 80 to 100 gold pieces of coin. So for sure, based on what you have here, it's more than, this isn't just your stuff, it's others as well. Okay, with that, I want to go over to uh, what we have going on with Lilibeth. So you open the door at the top of the stairs to leave the room, get a little bit of privacy. And so what you look at as you do so is this looks like you're looking into some kind of like a greenhouse. And the entire circular chamber here, same diameter, same floor space as the previous chambers down below. But here there's um, these dirt beds with little green plants, small shrubberies, even maybe some fruit trees, things that are maybe no more than 10 to 12 feet tall. And uh, throughout, there's sort of a, a stone paths that have been landscaped throughout the chamber with trellises that arches that kind of mark the way. Um, and each of these trellises made of wood have different vines that have um, kind of crept up with big broadleafed um, kind of okra colored yellowish leaves and there's a there's light there's sort of like it's like a green light that kind of filters magically from the ceiling like the whole ceiling is just illuminated in this there's not so much foliage that you can't see across the room you would see that there is another staircase just like identical to all the others that you've seen follows the pattern of the wall up to another doorway however as you're looking over there there's sort of a weird fuchsia-colored mist that kind of lingers about. It seems like the focus of it is probably the doorway at the top of the stairs. It extends down to the floor, so it runs the entire stairway from, from doorway to the bottom of the floor. And over there, there's a small pig that is kind of oinking about, and you see a bag laying at the base of the stair. Ah. Uh. The pig is maybe moving over to the bag and kind of like, Grabbing at it and trying to pull it up the stairs. Does the pig have a little beret on? Uh, it does not, but there's a little cape that's uh, maybe a little cape. That's right. Yes, it, I um, if I can move through the paths to get to the pig and pick up the pig. Um, I know the pig is probably not going to cooperate, but I would like to try to pick up the pig for sure. Okay, so you begin to move over there. And uh, you, you're going to go and try to pick up the pig? Uh, I, I am going to say, look, I really, really didn't want to hurt you. We just wanted our money back because I'm assuming that somehow or another the pig must be the Grimalk and I've given up on thinking anything's weird at this point. Um, and so, um, but I do want the money back. That was a dirty trick to play. So I just want to try and pick up both the pig and the money, actually. Okay. The so there's quite a deal of uh, squealing and squirming as a full-sized pig. So yes. Oh uh, God. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's not even that's not even possible. You're more or less <laughs> trying to just wrestle the bag out of its mouth as it's trying to. Uh, yes. Kind of keep it. Uh, those of you down in the floor below, um, you hear this racket coming from the open door. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm going to head up and see what the racket is for sure. Four of you move up there just as the, the, the goblins are kind of hollering at you like, Hey, you can't keep us tied up like this. Where are you going? Um, you all make your way up there. You also see this garden laid out 
um, with the stone paths that follow right under these arched trellises that have some vine growth creeping up them. And I would say you look on in horror as you notice that from the ceiling is this green goop that is oozing down and drops right on Lilibeth and another bit that drops right on the pig. And as this ooze covers you and you're... you. I imagine you drop the bag as you could feel this burning sensation of the contact of this sludge starts to eat at, you can just see like little hairs on your arm dissolving. Um, your face is just burning as it's eating into your skin. The pig as well um, is just starting to kind of like freak out and run. It runs over to like the side of the wall. It starts to like trying to scrape at itself, but, to no avail this this stuff is thick like syrup and it's just smearing it about the wall and i'm covered and you're covered <clears throat> there goes my hair oh try, man. try the dust i shout do i have dust in my pack? come this way <laughs> come to well, us i, I can't see <laughs> follow my voice oh oh this hurts like Hell! Okay, so I'm following their voice. Am I tripping over everything in the way? Uh, there's not, you trip a little bit. Like, there's maybe, like, the flower beds have a little bit of a lip to them. But you stumble. Um, you're able to kind of follow their voices, and you, you stumble over there. Takes you maybe about 30 seconds to get over there. Okay, and I'm imagining that my skin is just raw at this mm. point. And um, what are you, you wearing, uh, like leather armor? The, those of you that are looking on as she runs over there, it's you can see holes. It's kind of deteriorating pretty rapidly. Ah, take off your clothes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, for crying out loud! Come on, down the head, take them off! Come on! Okay, okay so I start pulling my clothes off. I have, like, you know, sort of the normal binding for my breast and whatever loincloth-y kind of thing that people would wear, and that's it underneath the armor. Okay, you're, you're, you're doing your best, you know, the... You probably don't even make it, like, you're starting to, to shed the clothing, but it's still, like, this green slime is just stuck to your, like, your face, and it has burned off your hair. You know, to undo your leather armor would, would, would take a, at least a little bit of time. And Absolutely. You, the rest of you, could just see that Lilibeth is, is is struggling, and the pain is clearly getting to her. Uh, what do you throw some water on her, or some oil, or something? <laughs> not, no, oil, not oil. No oil. <laughs> no oil. Um, I think he would try to get some of his kind of robes and try to rip a piece off and start trying to get it off of her face, like as best as he could. Try to oh, get ow, some of ow, that. Ow, 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 yeah, ow, yeah ow. okay, okay. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Just keep on doing it, but God, it hurts. <laughs> As you apply the cloth to the slime to try to wipe it away, it just dissolves the cloth. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Powder. What powder were you guys talking about? I mean. Oh, yeah. Maybe that the, the from the puff that you collected. The, the, Do you want to see if this. Oh. I mean, I, I don't know if it sees, it sees <laughs> You can better. tell if it's poisonous, right? But I don't know if it neutralizes it, but it's worth a shot. We could always collect more. How about, like, there's dirt on, there's dirt around, you said? Or yeah, what? there's beds of plants of and stuff. Earth, dirt that the plants are being cultivated in. I'm assuming, though, at this point, we're not stepping in there. 
No, I'm not stepping in there. And a matter yeah. of fact, I'm going to look while my brother is like kind of helping her. I'm going to assume like this is his forte, right? My forte is kind of physical protection. And so I'm going to automatically go into like defense mode and be like, guys, get her, get her down the stairs, get her on the table, figure that let's, let's get somewhere safe uh, and away from this. And I'm going to look up and see if I see any more stuff coming from the ceiling or just kind of survey around the and light. see if, they, if anything's happening. The light filtering into the room is no longer green. It is just, it's still uh, arcane light, but uh, this substance apparently was the thing that was filtering the light down. And so um, that is no longer, you look over across the room, the pig is not squealing or screaming anymore. It's just laying down and you can see its flesh starting to dissolve right down to the muscle tissue. Oh, oh we've got to get this off of her fast guys. Any kind of like I'm just I have a backpack. I don't have any kind of like rags or anything. I guess Can you maybe scrape it off with your sword and like just Yeah, I'll try I'm gonna try to get it off of her like like I guess like keeping it off of my skin, covering myself, try to like almost like raise like give her a very close shave and and try to get it off with my sword as best I can. Roll me a D six. Oh, Come on. Two. Two? Yeah. So um, that is what I was looking for, a one or a two. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> now, as you start to do this, um, it seems like it is working to remove it from Lilibeth, but what ends up happening is the slime is transferring off of her flesh onto your blade. Okay. And, so and it seems like it is maybe more desiring of that substance. And as it does so, it takes hold of the blade and starts to corrode it and dissolve it to the point that it's pretty rapid. It starts to like siphon off of her body, come onto your blade to the point where you have to drop your sword for fear that it's going to come and make contact with your skin. Okay. And what you do is you drop it and you watch as your sword given to you, um, when you took your oaths uh, to your house, fades before your very eyes, leaving nothing. But it yeah, seems that the interaction between the slime and that sword, that slime is still there. It kind of grows or it's kind of pooling on the floor there. Take my backpack off. I pull out a torch. I say, most things don't like fire. I take my uh, tinderbox. I light the torch. And I touch the torch to the uh, to the pool to see if it has any effect. It sure does. It just starts to dissolve and burn away. Oh, gosh. Lessons learned. Well, uh, okay. Face, do we see, face, face. Do we see, <laughs> do we see any um, sign of... Because one dropped on Lilibeth and one dropped on the pig. Pig is over there. Pig is a pile of disgusting is he covered in green or do we see anything green moving about there's a, still a heap of slime over there that is moving its way towards that bag of coin i think we should burn that mother and get the coin i guess we do move in maybe um i hand a torch whoever's going whoever's gonna go up and get that but i tell two of the others to hold Lilibeth still mm -hmm. and yeah. strike up another torch I say this is going to hurt, and I 
begin touching the torch to my companion's <laughs> face and uh, arms and every, you know everywhere. You manage to, in doing that, uh, whatever little bits of the green slime remain, um, deteriorate and dissolve in the presence of the heat. Lilibeth, you, 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 the possessions that you had on your body, uh, such as your your leather, like you you are, uh, even though you were you were trying to shed this clothing, mm-hmm. there really isn't anything left to shed at this point. It was burning right through all the material, and it was. It made contact with your your skin is like red. A couple seconds longer, and you would have been looking like the pig over there. Um, so your leather armor is gone. We'll say like, yeah, uh, like what else did you have? You had your bow that that would be dissolved. I had, I had both the long bow and the short bow. I'm assuming plus okay. all the arrows. All of that. All of that is dissolved. Okay, so. Um... My backpack? Gone. Yep. Okay, then that means I have nothing. Pretty much. Except for... No, it probably would have eaten the crowbar, too. Yes. But you have your life. (laughs) Which is something to be grateful for. That, and I'm hoping that the fact that I had really curly red hair caused it to take a little while to get through all that curly red hair maybe my face isn't quite so bad or my hands or my arms it's those are worse it's uh it's not disfiguring enough that um this won't heal in time but yeah right now you look like you made contact with i don't know like like a the most severe of sunburns and your flesh is kind of peeling in a bit so given time it will heal and there probably will be some scarring but Assuming that it is all gone or whatever, and she's basically doesn't have any clothes or anything, I take off my cloak and allow her to cover up. Yeah, and Thank while you. this is going on, I'm going to move across the room, uh, waving the fire about, and pretty quickly, um, I don't have my sword, but I will have my mace drawn in case something else comes out. Um, basically, I'm going to try to get to the bag move it out of the way, burn the thing, and take the bag back to the group. Yeah, you, you managed to do that, having uh, uh, detected what what would work here. Um, you managed to make it over there in time to save your treasure. Uh, you go and you look in the bag, and it is full of gold, specifically. You had probably more than gold in your coinage, your various coinage, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't find anything except gold pieces. So any mm-hmm. copper pieces, any silver pieces that you may have had packed away are, are not there. One question that I have on some of the gold that we had seen, I guess I don't know how in-depth or whatever, but what is the mintage of it? Is it? Can we tell the difference between what we brought and what is maybe more local? Or um, I would say there's probably a mix. There is a mix of things that look like it has uh, been minted by the official bank that um, the Empire sponsors. There are some ancient-looking coins in the mix, um, things that have uh, markings on them that you don't recognize. And then um, even antiquated uh, coinage from bef- the times before the Empire, uh, things that maybe have the markings of different noble houses that exist throughout the, the, the kingdoms. 
I would say, you know, with the amount of money we recovered from the other Grimkin, and now from this pig, I guess, we, we are pretty flush, and much more flush than we were before. I suggest we maybe take some food, take some rest, and be on our way out of here. We've gotten what we came for. We can see there are some grave dangers in this tower. I do not wish to speak with the wizard. I have no business with him. I, I think we should get out of here. I have to agree. I definitely don't feel like I can do much more if we have to fight our way out of this building right now. Now, your conundrum at this point would be that outside, it is about 7 p.m. Not only are you weary from travel, you've had uh, a battle, and you also have... Little Beth is likely in no condition, probably, to go out journeying just now into the wilderness. Naked, in the, naked in the woods at night is no is no fun. In the, the 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 Burn. like where the the spread is, like as we kind of like mill about and stuff. Do, are those skeletons seeming like their disposition has changed at all, or is it still one of? No. So you guys start to like kind of head down there, and the, the skeletons are just as they were before inviting you to partake there's like it's the same food at this point you know like you see evidence that you had come through the room and any plates that you had left some crumbs on and such that those are still there i guess another question is you've tied up these goblins what what are you um thinking about with relation to them they're crying out to you let us go we're not friends with those grimalkin we just we game with them i'm inclined to let them go they give them some of their steak back and say beat it. I mean, they'll definitely probably be raiding villages and stuff, or I mean, I. Well, how about a trade? What about some information on this tower? What, what do they know? Maybe we'll give them their freedom for some info. Maybe a little gold to sweeten the pot. One of the goblins that you start to interrogate, uh, maybe the one that opened the door initially, just says we, 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 don't all, we don't probably know all that much more than you do. We're always afraid to go any further than this room because of the mist. It's, it's just a convenient place for us to gather. Uh, you know, we, 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 we like to play some games and gamble and enjoy. There's lots of luxuries here. It's a very nice, comfortable place. Where did you get this bowl? Um, one of the other goblins will kind of speak up and say, From the Manor Malbrek. Eh, it's maybe six miles east of here, across the river. A uh, noble house that lives there don't seem to mind. They, it's real easy. I've gone in there before and taken a thing or two. There's something wrong with the people that live there. I, I don't know. Something's eating away at their minds, maybe. So I figure, why not? They're not using it. They're not enjoying it. Something um, is eating away at their minds? Just sort of roam the halls of this luxuriant palace there's still a guard that kind of wanders the grounds but they're easy enough to sneak by doors are all unlocked and there's plenty of valuables there but um there's something growing in there it's all fungus infested the walls the wallpaper it's all growing with some kind of growth i have a uh, different question i mean we haven't really learned a whole we're not from here as you probably can tell. Can you help us to better understand, I mean, like, your people, right? We're people? Yes, goblin people. Oh, 
what do the goblin people do in this woods, in this place? They all kind of look at each other kind of funny. We'll do what everybody else does. We're trying to survive. This is, uh, we're just coming out of the winter. It's the time to emerge and let's travel again. We kind of skim a little bit of coin off of the, the travelers that come through here, the, the house, you know. We're not murderers, we're just robbers. We're just trying to take our cut. We don't have kingdoms like you. We don't have a way of, of, of earning coin and, and such, and we need, to, we need to pay our way too. Fair enough. Thank you. Um, the Grimalkins the same, or are they different? Yeah, they're cuter. They can get away with more. They can walk into a town and nobody bats an eye. A goblin comes on the fringes of your town and it's all bells ablazing and arrows shooting. Seems fair enough, goblin. Let me ask you, you know the lay of the land. If I think it, I think my party members would agree if you give us some key um, details of, you know, where this manor is, where the general towns and settlements in the area uh, as far as goblins, grimalkins, human or otherwise go and help us kind of fill in some questions of where we are going and where we are, maybe we would be willing to just let you go. All right, I'll tell you what we know. If you're looking for Bogwit Manor, it's, like I say, off to the east. It's the home of House Malbrick. And like I say, things aren't maybe going so well for them these days. So some forest is overtaking their manner and it doesn't seem that anybody's doing a thing about it new to traveling about these parts well maybe a bit of advice about where not to go to the southwest you don't want to go that way there are things that live upon the mist maybe haunted entities wraiths standing stones marking the resting place of old ones you should stay That's away to the southwest Southwest. We don't go there, especially not after nightfall. You're looking for one of your communities up north along the river. You'll find a village of Dreg. Grimalkin go there sometimes. The people there are a bit rowdy. It's a little bit of a rough town. A lot of gambling and carousing to be had there as well. How, how far a journey from here is that? On foot. Maybe half a day's journey, right right along the river. The lumber the lumber folk, lumberjacks, they often travel there to get a little rest and relaxation uh, from their camp further along the river. Um you are you are so you are mostly of the land, correct? You are not going into these towns and whatnot, what I've heard. No. We would be killed. Say uh maybe I've if I'm looking for something maybe to help uh, my friend here who's a bit burnt, uh, do you have it? Do you know any herbs or anything in mind that I might be looking for that might relieve some of her pain? They tell you that um, for sure there could be things, uh, some plants that you could make salves of and such, but they don't know of any uh, in the immediate vicinity. Nothing that Nothing that would help you out immediately. Hmm. Stones that you speak of, uh, do they look like, and then I'll describe the stone. Are um, they those? They, they, they can't be for sure. Um, they, they say sounds similar. The stones are, they're convinced that they are uh, attuned to the dolmen wood, that they are magical in nature, and that 
uh, such stones are best left alone because they are guarded by these uh, these entities. And uh, they are fairly local, so they'll tell you that they have heard uh, tales of of stones like the one that you described, like further deeper into the wood, left long ago by the Fae um, when they ruled over this land. Does he have a the direction deeper in the wood that it is? Just a general like deep deeper in the wood than they than than they ever would uh, risk go go to go yeah. You get the sense that these these goblins they they live here on the kind of the perimeter of the forest and they may you know go and um you know probably mess with some of the farmers and things like that from time to time mm-hmm. stealing from their their gardens or whatnot. You have you you are familiar with this tower at least the first few floors correct? Yes. The food that never has bothered you. No, we rely the, um, upon it. And. Uh, for how long you've been here, you have not been bothered in the lower floors, correct? We have, we have not. No, uh, we've we've been more or less layering here for the past winter. Hmm. Is the food replenished every morning? Mm-hmm. It is. Interesting. The servants of this tower have been kind to us. Maybe, and he might kind of sit, kind of move away from the goblins, but he said maybe we might need to uh, stay here for the night. Yes. I would agree, brother. I think we try to uh, heal as much as we can our friend and help help her and and stay the night, get some rest, send these goblins on their way. And now, you know, at least we have a little bit to lay of the land here. I suggest we let the goblins eat their fill and then send them out of the tower while we bunker in the tower. And then when we leave, they can come back and do whatever they want. It doesn't really matter to us anymore. You understand what we are about to do. We will let you go um, if you promise a few things. Understand we are not violent folks, but you can see what we can do. They they, they agree to your terms. Um, you know, they're, they're fine. If you're willing to let them go, they will leave the tower uh, for the night to um, make you feel at ease as you take a rest in the, the luxuries of the place. Uh, they figure you have bested them. And if you're willing to spare their lives... They can endure that inconvenience, and they make promises that they will not uh, harm you. You know, you're you're kicking them out of the tower, kind of without. I would assume you're. Are you taking their like weapons and things like that from them? I think we could give them a little gold and take their weapons. Okay, that sounds good. So they're they're they agree to your terms. We'll give them like two. We've got a good stash here. Five gold pieces in total. Yeah, that sounds fair. I do understand it is a bit dangerous out there. We we maybe at least be able to give them a small dagger. What do you say? I was finally to have their weapons, so at least one seems okay, so they can hunt some food. Sure. That sounds fair. I would kind of... We are not without honor, brother. You know this. Yes, yes, honor. It's the right thing to do, either way. Um, Here you go. I need to say he'd hold one of the small daggers out. So at least you're able to defend yourselves, Stav. We'll be gone in the morning. All right. They take they take the dagger and they uh, exit the tower. They're on their way. I imagine you're maybe enjoying some of the food, probably layering in the lounge area. I would think. Yeah, and and I would say that you know, given what we've heard, I I I would encourage Sir Silas to partake of the pipe, and that I probably would as well. Okay. A little wine. 
All right, so a couple of things. We'll go through some procedures here, and then uh, probably the rest here uh, might be kind of like the wrap-up of the session. But uh, a couple of things. So you got two bags. One bag has now 345 gold pieces in the porcelain bowl. And then there is a second bag that has... It basically has everything that you um, had lost so yeah, I'm assuming that that bag that each bag that they were carrying can carry up to 600 gold pieces worth of stuff. So we've got the one bag with the 345 in the bowl, and another that has basically 105 gold pieces in it. At this point, like Sir Silas is kind of going to be like, I obviously I'm happy to take one of them, but you know I lost the first one out. It might be wise to. Split this up just in case something like this happens in the future. I think one bag on one person, one bag on another. And I'm I don't care who. I'll take one. It'll be fair, yeah. I'll keep tally, but I have no place to keep a bag right now. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll carry I can carry it, the other one. And then we'll Maureen, you'll be the treasurer. I will be the treasurer. Do we have any place to lay down? Because right now my skin is really sore, and it's my own fault. I shouldn't have run up the stairs. There's like a chair or something in the the lounge area, right? Maybe a couch even? Mm -hmm. There's couches, chairs. Maybe what I would recommend is maybe we will set up a small barrier for you. Maybe be best not to keep any cloth up against your skin. Let your skin breathe. So I'll kind of put up my cloak. Kind of hang it up kind of like a drape for you as well. Kind of give you a little space where you're able to kind of sleep. And the other cloak from behind the cloak barrier and say, thank you for this. I appreciate um, your concern for my modesty and try and find some space on something that doesn't actually hurt and lay down. Is there marble anywhere? It's all marble. Yeah. I'm just going to lay down on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so there was a motion on the floor here to uh, maybe smoke some pipe weed. All right. So there is a, a sort of mechanical effect to doing so. But basically, when you um, enjoy uh, pipe weed, you can focus in on maybe a question or something that is troubling the group or something that needs solving and uh, potentially get maybe an epiphany of some kind. When you're vexed by a problem, you can sit down, get your get out a pipe and spend an hour smoking in quiet contemplation looking into the fire, or in debate with companions. If the hour passes undisturbed, you can make an intelligence check. If several characters smoke and debate together, the most intelligent character makes the check with a plus one bonus per companion, maximum of plus four. If the intelligence check succeeds, you can get a clue about the problem being contemplated. I will definitely participate in that. And uh, potentially, depending on what you are smoking, there might be a bit of a um, effect from the particular pipe leaf that you are indulging. Do we have a vexing question that we need answered? I don't have a vexing question, but I have some thoughts I would like to ponder about this tower. Sir Silas, of course, will be in on this as well. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm definitely down. Friar would probably step away, maybe lean more towards the wine. <laughs> okay. For the first time, you're staying away from the leaf, brother. I am so surprised. Uh, well, I am. Um, 
do have uh, one question, Alex. Was there any like, I don't know, table cloths and stuff like that on these tables, or were they just bare wooden tables? Uh, I think the tables in here, in the in the lounge on the second floor, no tablecloths or anything, but there's definitely a big tablecloth on the banquet table up one floor up. Uh, one thing that I am going to do is where the tablecloth is. I'm going to slide some of the stuff and I am going to, I assume that it's rather pristine looking or whatever. I'm going to go ahead and cut a chunk off of it with my tailor back as we're sitting around smoking the pipe. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was needles and thread, something that I put patches on my cloak with and stuff like that. And I am going to stitch up uh, makeshift pants and a shirt for Lilibeth. Okay. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, that's a skill that you have. And so you, you're spending most of the kind of time past here doing that. And uh, from um, Friar, you were going to the wine cabinet? Uh, yes. And uh, to be honest, as soon as his brother even would mention like, oh, you're not one to pass it up. He goes, well, um, give a moment for the wine to set in and I'd probably be joining you very shortly. All right. It's good yeah. to see this wizard hat's tower has not changed you yet, brother. Roll me a d6, uh, Isaac. Okay. A one? Okay. The, the bottles of wine here, they have a label that seems put on the bottle and in hand an ink, each one, uh, a little bit different. Uh, You can tell each one individually was uh, marked by somebody doing this labor probably over the course of a day, labeling all their bottles. It says Buckland. It's a clear, sparkling wine. has a little bit of a bitter herb taste to it. And as you are sipping and enjoying this, you may be looking into the fireplace a little bit and you're getting kind of dreamy, a little bit some visions kind of start to take hold. Nothing, Nothing terrifying or anything, but probably just pleasant. Like whatever, whatever the friars like that feeling that you would get from like an awesome dream that you just had, like that's mm-hmm. kind of taking over, and your pleasurable things oh. are dancing. You just hear, you just hear the friar just kind of slumping. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Uh, those of you that are uh, smoking the pipe leaf, probably in a little bit of a, a lightened mood yourselves, but more of a kind of giddy, like everything is kind of funny to you. And uh, you're like you're high, basically, like <laughs> munching away at food from the table up above, and you're contemplating. You are contemplating something. Uh, what What would you like to be uh, doing? Yeah, my main thing I wanted to contemplate is I'm just I'm wondering about the type of wizardry that's attached to this tower. And I mean, I, I if I had to narrow down and just be like, what kind of wizard are we dealing with? But broadly, I'm just curious about, do I think this wizard would maybe have any hints or connections for Marjorie, any relationship to Marjorie? I'm just kind of pondering like, you know, what I've seen. Do I think there's a wizard here? You know, just kind sure. of just thinking about it. I assume you're the one with the highest intelligence of the three. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I have an 18 intelligence. Okay. So you're going to roll a D20 and you're going to subtract two from that. Uh, Eight total. Um, you're starting to think about this question, who could have lived here? And you're just thinking about the fact that the goblins had said they lived here undisturbed. Uh, they had not been disturbed for months upon months and so um could be that someone lives here but just given what you have seen about this tower you wonder if if in fact the wizard is here probably they would have to want to meet you for that to ever happen you get this feeling like could could it be that this tower would just go on for infinum 
you know, when you approached the tower initially, you didn't even see its spire until you were right up at its threshold. So you get the sense that this is a very powerful wizard that has it. Could could be that they're dead, but certainly if they are alive, they you will not find them unless they will it. Cool. Thank you. That was kind of my hunch, but I'm just pondering. I'll share that out too with uh, Silas and, and Joffrey. Just like, well, I've just been thinking. I just think, I don't know. Just wondering what this, the mysticism of this place. I'd love to learn more about it. Maybe we can keep an eye out and see if this wizard is perished, which is most likely, or if not, it's someone very powerful. Maybe one day we can entreat them. Sir Silas, um, puffing away the wispy, silvery smoke off of uh, that leaf, filling the air, looking into the fire, says, well, we've come here, we've gotten what we were looking for, and more. We are moving into the Dolmenwood with a considerable amount of coin. What say you about tomorrow? My plan was for us to head up the river and make our way to Dreg, continue eastward, try to meet with the Duke of Brackenwald and see what assistance he may be able to yield to us about our missing prismist, but I am open to other suggestions. You have shown yourselves to be a a formidable lot. I I trust your judgment. I I would say maybe uh, the condition we are in... Quite possibly the best course of action would be to get our canoes and travel to this drag. Looking over where Lilibeth's laying unconscious on the floor, he just says, yes, and sounds like, based on both the information we came in here with and what those goblins said, that Dreg may be the, could be the closest place for us to get rest, but we could also stay here for a few days if we think we will be undisturbed, but I guess our deal with the goblins was that we would remain one day and leave them to it, and he just has, has like, kind of, he's looking around at all the amenities of the room, just knowing that this is way more comfortable than anything you're going to find in Dreg, but... The goblins said they weren't bothered, and I think we've shown dominance over them. And if they come back, we can let them feed, we can let them eat, just stay here a couple days, let our friend heal. We also have the question of this other noble house, Mole... Malbrick. Malbrick. Uh, they, obviously, something must be going on there, and while we are not in the best of shape to do anything about it right now, I do think we... That should we be able to figure out what is going on there and help them, they could be powerful allies uh, in the region if they truly are a noble house. Just food for thought. And if not, at least you could get your sword back. Or find another sword, replacement. Yes, possibly. I mean, nothing will ever replace my sword. I'm sorry. I I, I spoke to Kirtley. I mean, a tool to use. It's just a sword, brother. It doesn't take, it doesn't, doesn't change who you are. It's yeah, like in the second It is cup. a rep- representation <laughs> of who I am, but also a representation <laughs> of who I am is to save the life of a, a friend and compatriot. So. It's just, you could have a little toothpick dagger upstairs. There's still some. It'll, it'll just be fine with that. It looks good on you. It fits you well. <laughs> Just keep staring at the fire, brother. <laughs> Maybe less, less this, more. <laughs> and I do know, uh, Sir Joffrey, that this pales in comparison. But in the meantime, you're welcome to my short sword. It would be better than a dagger. 
I have. I have a. Daggers. I have a mace. I have the family mace also. That I'm going to pull out a mace that kind of matches my brothers in style and whatnot, and say, you know, best for you to keep your weapons, sir. I have my shield. I have my mace, and I'm sure that there will be. We are full of coins, so I'm sure there will be opportunities. Appreciate it. Um, in relation to House Mulbrek, I think Sir Silas would interject that it does indeed sound like there is some some foulness about what is transpiring there but he's likely uh, not convinced it would be a good direction to go unless there was a reason that he thought it might lead you to uh marjorie that that would be just his two cents i think is what he would say Best to maybe just inform the authorities that something is going on. As we're coming to kind of a close here this evening, I would say you get a long, not a long rest, but you you get a full night's rest. You, those of you that have incurred any damage, you recover one hit point from the evening. Yes. Um, so just in kind of plain terms to help me for planning for the next session, there's there's sort of all sorts of options that you have here about the direction forward. Based on what the goblins have said, you could probably hoof it on foot and get to drag within half a day. You could double back to go get your canoes and travel that way, but that would, that would be a day's journey back and then a day's journey going forward down the, the river. And then paying your toll and whatnot at the at the river. You could be leaving in the morning. You could be staying here several days. Uh, what 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 do you think about what your plan will be for the next session? I vote we leave in the morning. We head for drag. We gotta buy clothes. We gotta buy armor. You know, there's a lot of stuff we gotta do for getting settled up. I was a little nervous just wandering around with a bunch of money. Canoes aren't that expensive or whatever, and that was pretty much all we left. Yeah, so. It's only a half day's journey. And we do need to, I, I was thinking maybe we would stay here and, and get healed and then move directly because we, we were going to drag to kind of just get off the boat and then head to the Duke of Brackenwald, right? And I was like, maybe we mm-hmm. can head there directly from here if we're healed up. But we probably do need some stuff. We don't have any bedrolls. We probably want to get mm-hmm. some supplies and stuff. So I, I, I would say I would go with uh, Waymond on this. It sounds sounds like the right plan. You want to try yeah. to wait one more day then? I know. At I think... first, I was against it, but I wouldn't mind staying here one more day. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we could invite the goblins back in since they kept their word. I'm. I have no problem with that. I don't want to sleep in a room with them, though. Well, no, and I don't think they would want to sleep in a room with us. They're going to show up with a war band of like 40 goblins. Right. Well, that is something to keep an eye out for and a possibility that I did not think of. You were that much smarter than I am. No, they seem nice. They seem nice. So what do you what are you guys thinking then? I, I do uh, think we do need to get some stuff in in that town. Like we don't we don't have any bedrolls. We're going to be out here. We're going to need some stuff, probably some supplies. We've got the money to buy it. Well, um, maybe one more day here and then we head out. I'd like to put on Santa's <laughs> clothing <laughs> and um, just to see what that actually feels like and, and how it fits. Do I need to roll to find out how well tailored this is? No, uh, I think that, um, you know, probably not a perfect fit. It's probably a hastily done job given the, the time and the fabric and whatnot that is being used. But um, I would think that Thomas is uh, uh, quite proficient in this and has, has Done quite well with the tools given, material it given. Feels really soft on my very abraded skin right now. So um, I'm definitely, Thomas, thank you so much for thinking of me and using your time to create 
this lovely set of garments. You're um, more than welcome. The next day, so we will end on this note. The goblins are at the front door on the first level when uh, morning comes and you open the door to greet them and it is snowing outside. What? Time travel. Light snow, but there's frost on the foliage out there. A dusting of white kind of collecting on all of the uh, all of the foliage where you would expect dew and stuff to be clinging on the spring, late spring, early summer day. Uh oh. So um, that is where we will end things. Uh, oh so, boy. Yeah. Hmm. We, we got the money, we got the Jaspi Poppletail <laughs> narrative has been uh, resolved, and it sounds like uh, potentially we will be uh, heading on foot after maybe a couple of days of rest here up to Dreg. Is, do I have that right? Yes. So. Cool. Looking um, forward to ham and eggs and bacon in the morning today, huh? <laughs> I'm looking forward to winter. I'm looking forward to winter travel in summer clothes. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> is um or damask underwear. Is it just the two the, the, the how many goblins was it? Uh uh it's five, five, right? Five. five is it left? just yeah. five? It is just the five. It, it is the original okay. group. They haven't uh found their kin in the village over or something. Um, we should just make this you're in our tribe now, guys. <laughs> they, they're cold, they're cold, they're like, Oh, you guys made us sleep outside. And it's each one can be a retainer. Let's bring them on. <laughs> yeah, a retainer for each character. That will bring us so many friends in town. <laughs> Showing up with goblins. It can snow in late spring. Potentially is just a, qu- a quirk of the season, right? Is uh, I think I professed in our session zero, we want to end these things now with uh, a, a little bit of gratitude, uh, kind of call out uh, something that made this session pop for you or special to you or um just a memorable moment i mean i'll just say gratitude for all of you not like saving my bacon so every everyone in the party coming together so gratitude to um you winston for taking the risk of doing something interesting um and having it play out the way that it did i mean you played your character you did something really cool and um, it led to the resolution that it did. So thank you. Gratitude to Isaac for having cure wounds memorized. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Holy cow. Well, that yeah. was perfect. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw some gratitude to Maureen for uh, just kind of her take on um, the, these goblins. You know, I think my, my initial um, reaction was kind of murder hoboey to get, get rid of them. But I do think this dynamic of that we're having with them is actually pretty cool and interesting and may, and who knows, it could play out with, uh, with some more goblins here in this land. So yeah, cool. I have one more gratitude and I already said it once, but I'm going to say it again. I'm really grateful for having clothes. So thank you for <laughs> using the time to create them. You're I, think, I think my gratitude's towards, um maureen to take the risk to go up there in that pink mist and yeah get gooped you got gacked i got gacked <laughs> i thought it was horrible <laughs> like uh, yeah for those of yeah. you that like are listening on like the audio recording like all of us were just 
we were quite like we all had our mics muted and like we, our faces were covered like we were like well <laughs> oh pink mist led to a nickelodeon studio i believe right? <laughs> orlando florida transmutation spell that would turn us all into pigs <laughs> my gratitude goes to all of you for the characters that you build and the little details um I, I think it was already mentioned but one of my favorite pieces there chris was the the tailoring bit because mm -hmm. i think it's cool when you take a small thing like having a tool proficiency or having a needle and thread and tying that into a, a moment that connects uh, the two characters so i i i like that a lot and so and i think you all do a really good job with those those little details these characters feel very nuanced and that's kind of fun going in uh going into the style of play that we're we're dealing with so thank you so i think that's going to wrap us up uh don't want to go too far over our, our 1 p.m time here but uh thank you all in the audience for hanging out with us here this morning for our dolmanwood campaign if this is your first time hanging out with us and uh, you had a lot of fun uh listening to us play please do jump into the discord and come hang out with us um we'd love to talk with you about our games we'd love to talk about how to get you in on maybe a game yourself uh so jump in there drop a message in the lobby and let us know how you found us and uh yeah uh if you're looking for a game we'll get you into something 20 sides related so that's it for us thanks everybody you are listening to 20 sides to every story 